and welcome to this podcast. According to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, trauma is the leading cause of death in the United States for children and adults from 1 to 45 years of age. And unfortunately, nearly 45 million Americans do not have access to a level 1 or level 2 trauma center within one hour. The Trauma Center Association of America, also known as TCAA, has the vision for access to optimal trauma care for all. I'm Laura Gamino and serve as the chair of TCAA's Injury Prevention Committee. I am the injury preventionist from the University of Oklahoma Level 1 Adult and Level 1 Pediatric Trauma Centers. Today we will hear from an outstanding injury prevention or IP professional from the western part of the country. COVID-19 has affected us all in our work. Our IP programs are usually presented face-to-face, in a classroom setting, at health fairs, one-on-one with car seat installations, and so on. We have now been challenged as we continue this life-saving work using different platforms and really thinking outside of the box. Our guests will be sharing how they have pivoted their IP programs to creatively continue to deliver their messages during these challenges. Ellen, would you like to please introduce yourself? Thanks, Laura. Yes, my name is Ellen Corman, and I am the Injury Prevention and Community Engagement Manager at Stanford Healthcare, part of Stanford University Medical Center. We're a level one adult and level one pediatric trauma center. I'm happy to be here today. Yeah, I'm so glad you're joining us, Ellen. Thank you. One of the first things, the first thing I wanted to bring up was you had shared with me a booklet on bicycle safety, and it is very impressive. And I really want to know the backstory, how the booklet came about, and if this is a top mechanism of injury that's seen at your trauma center. Yeah, so um, we live in beautiful, sunny um, California and um, live right in the area near Stanford University that has a lot of hills and a lot of bicycle riders. The number three mechanism of injury seen here at Stanford Healthcare is bicycle crashes. In order to be able to address that, um, one of the ways to address that is through working with youth who are um, often seen without helmets, going through stop signs, riding wrong way down the road, and other kinds of things that are um, extremely unsafe. Our trauma center started working with a group in, in, through our public health department called Traffic Safe Communities Network and started to deliver a program called Traffic Diversion, working with our law enforcement agencies, having them cite youth who were going the wrong way down the road or not wearing a helmet or doing other unsafe behaviors. And instead of having those those youth have to pay the large fines and fees associated with that ticket, they could go to a class. So we bring these 
these youth and, and a parent um, to a classroom and work with them with our law enforcement agency and our health professional here at Stanford Healthcare to be able to talk about the rules of the road, to be able to give them helmets that fit them, and to be able to have them go back out on their bicycle safely. We wanted to give them something in writing that would allow would reinforce that information that we were providing them. And that's how that bicycle safety booklet came about. We had a one um, many years ago, and rules change a lot. Um, things are different now on our roads. We see um, traffic circles. We see b- green bike lanes. We're seeing all kinds of things that were not around when we first started talking about bicycles 10, 12, 15 years ago. So we decided that the best thing we could do was to put that all together in writing, share them with our, our youth and be and their parents so that they could have a document that they could refer to um, on a regular basis. Wonderful. It sounds like a, a lot of partnerships. What is the helmet law in California? The helmet law requires uh, youth anywhere from um, under the age of 18 to wear that helmet. Okay. Um, but we uh, and the stu- the youth in the Palo Alto area, where Stanford University is, um, many of them do wear helmets um, when they walk right <laughs> outside their door, and then we see them hanging from the handlebars. Um, when they're away from their parents' home. So it's not that they don't have access to the helmet. They just don't always understand the necessity of wearing that helmet. So we, it's not important, as important for us to distribute new helmets as it is to be able to reinforce the importance of wearing that helmet and um, being able to do that through the citation as well as being able to then reinforce that in a class that explains the information for it um, makes the most sense for us. But a helmet alone will not make somebody safe. Following the rules of the road while wearing a helmet makes them safer. It sounds like the, the partnership with law enforcement is key. Now, does your department do the classes or who does the classes? So the classes are done jointly by one of the law enforcement officers in the cities that we work with together with one of our staff here um, in injury prevention. So they, the law, it's, it's coming, when you're talking about laws, it's coming from a uniform officer, I think holds a lot more credibility. So we are very, very fortunate to be able to have those law enforcement officers being, doing part of the training. Um, we do a lot of the the, um, the the helmet information. We share some other information, but the most of the, the laws and rules of the road come directly from the law enforcement, law enforcement um, personnel. Wonderful. How may we access this? Is there an online address? Absolutely. It's on the, our website, stanfordhealthcare.org slash bike safety. Okay. Well, that would be a wonderful resource for all of us. Was there anything else that was not covered you wanted to share about the program? Um, I I just, um, we have done a number of classes over the last year, and the booklet was to just become available um, in the last few months. So one of these t- things, one of the things we've done in this time of COVID is to be able to um, take the list of all of the 
people who've attended our bike diversion classes and be able to send those booklets out to them with a reminder that it's still important to be able to be safe and here is some information for them to be able to follow. We also, um, in terms of the Pike Diversion uh, classes, are now working to be able to to offer those classes um, remotely through Zoom so that um, people who had gotten citations prior to COVID but were unable to attend a class because they didn't exist for a few months, instead of them having to go and pay the fees and fines associated with that ticket, they're still now able to take the class. That allows us to not only be able to not have them pay those fees and fines, but it gives us the opportunity to give them this great information that help, can help, they can learn to be able to be safer on the road. That is really great. Do you know what the fines and fees add up to? Or is it different in each business? Uh, they're usually just about $200. They're steep. Okay. More of, I think the ticket itself is considered $25, but the fees that go along with that are very, very high. So it's a lot of money that, that um, these families have to pay when they're, um, when they're not following the, the laws. Well, that's, that's a great incentive. That is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, the other thing I wanted to ask you about, I know that you're um, going moving to fall prevention for older adults. I know you're an instructor of Matter of Balance, the fall prevention program for older adults. And how has the pandemic affected this program? And, you know, where are you now with it? Thanks, thanks for asking, Laura. Falls are the number one reason that our older adults come into our trauma center. And about 70% of our traumas for people who are 65 years or older are from falls. So addressing that is very important. We have a variety of programs to be able to address that here at Stanford HealthCare, but one of our more popular programs is is a matter of balance, which is offered nationally. We have usually about anywhere from 8 to 12 classes going on at any given time, and we usually do them in community settings. We'll do them at at the senior centers or the YMCAs or other sites like that. When COVID happened and we began our shelter in place, those classes had to end, and our whole spring calendar never got started. And the people at the Matter of Balance office felt that it was very important to not immediately move that program into a virtual platform because there was no evidence that showed that virtual platform was still evidence-based. And they wanted to make sure that that it was done correctly if, if ever offered online. So at that point, we looked and said, all of these people who had signed up for classes don't have those kind of opportunities to to do anything. And we, um, and all of our, so what we chose to do was to bring those, um, to start looking at other opportunities for fall prevention programming that would be available virtually. And there aren't too many of them, but one of the programs we discovered is a program that's fairly new. It's called Bingo Size. It's out of Western Kentucky University, and we thought, and that had been put together as an in-class program as well, but they allowed that program to be done virtually. So we 
decided, well, why not? And we are um, went through the licensing process, got our staff trained, and in just a few weeks, we'll be actually offering the bingo size program to our community through virtual platform. So I don't have a lot to, to tell you about the success of the program yet because it's new to us, but we're so excited to be able to find a program that is evidence-based and can be done virtually. Um, I think one of the things was that you, with this, with bingo size, you were able to um, use funds that had already been assigned to a program and, and reassign those. Is that correct? That's right, Laura. You know what? We had gotten a grant from one of our hospital districts to be able to offer our matter of balance program, and those that grant had been submitted prior to COVID starting, and we got the, the grant accepted, and we sat there and said, what are we going to do now? The program beginning July 1st, 2020, was supposed to be delivering matter of balance to our community, but we were not allowed to, to offer that program. So when we found Bingo Size, I went back to the funder and asked if we could indeed be able to substitute Bingo Size for a matter of balance. Um, we kept a matter of balance in part of the grant to be able to hopefully deliver it remotely when they rolled that out as a remote program in 2021. And and the funder was said their goal was to be able to see fall prevention programming for older adults in our community. And if we wanted to do it with a different program other than matter of balance, that they would still support it. So, yes, we were very fortunate to be able to still have the funding. And, it, and we had to, to play with the, all of that in terms of what it would mean to get a new program started um, where there are some initial funds that are caught to pay for, for materials and licensing and training, right. et cetera. And uh, our funder was, was very kind to help us be able to do that. But I must say that um, Western Kentucky University has kept the cost for bingo size fairly affordable. So even without grant funding, I think organizations who want to be able to offer a program that is um, deliverable online, bingo size, it has a lot of uh, potential for them. I, I, what I love about that is the initiative shown by your team and that you know, the funds just didn't languish and, you know, you just, you know, you picked it up and ran with it. It's a global pandemic and you didn't let that stop you. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Thank it's true. The other thing we decided to do as before Bingo Size got going is we were looking at the all the people who have gone through our Matter of Balance classes. And although we were not permitted through our Matter of Balance license to finish the classes that had were in session, and um, so we were not allowed to do anything online with those people who had not completed Matter of Balance. We thought that we would have the potential to still connect with our graduates. They're already done work um, with Matter of Balance, but how are they exercising when they're 
confined to their homes. They're not going to their senior centers where we offered so many of those manor band classes and had. So they weren't joining in on other exercise classes. Some of them weren't even comfortable taking walks in their neighborhood with COVID. So what we did was we started to offer an exercise class online. And we brought together, we've had over 20 people sign up and about uh, 15 to 16 people get on every single week and we exercise together. We do the Matter of Balance exercises with our Matter of Balance graduates. And we've grown that program to not only offer the exercises, but at the end of those exercises, we talk about a health topic at the end. So we've talked about medications. We've talked about sleep. We talk about how, about exercise. We've talked about getting up from a fall, even though we've talked about that in the matter of balance class. It's fun to review some of those things together. And of most of the people after the exercise do stay on to talk and um, share during the, those health topic sessions. I think that's so important because another hallmark of what's happening, especially to older adults, is the isolation. And so I'm sure that socialization helps not just, you know, pertaining to the topic, but just helps them be part of a community, even though it is virtual. I think that's really wonderful. I think it demonstrates another way that your team, you know, just picked up and ran with it. You know, global pandemic, no problem. We'll do this. (laughs) I mean, I really admire that about your program. Well, thank you. We've, we also evaluated um, the, um, asked ask some questions. Um, we use a Qualtrics system and online asked our, asked the participants in this exercise class some, some questions. And one of the questions that we've asked them at the beginning, we've asked them at the, in the middle, we've asked them later on. And one of the questions that we asked them, what, besides what, you know, whether they're enjoying the instruction and those kind of things, we've asked them if they were exercising before and whether they're exercising more now with the offering of this class. And Uh we did find that there were people in the class who had stopped exercising and had started exercising again um, by joining in on our class. And that's the key to fall prevention is staying physically active. Mm -hmm. Keep moving. Yes, absolutely. Well, going back to bingo size, do you think that, you know, regular bingo is so very sedentary. Do you think that bingo size would replace that? Is that what you're envisioning or what do you think? So bingo, you know, in its own is this very competitive program that a lot of older adults love to play. And we're never going to be able to replace this and give the hardcore bingo player. um, um, This is not to replace that hardcore bingo player's opportunity to play bingo. But what bingo size seems to be able to do is for for some who don't want or think that they don't want to join an exercise class or who think that uh, and who love to play bingo, it's a way to get some of these more sedentary older adults active. So the way the program works, bingo size stands for bingo plus exercise equals bingo size. So you you play bingo, and during some of those, um, you might call out a number and say, you know, um, 15 or whatever, and everybody just puts their thing on the on their card. 
But then for the next number, it might be the, an exercise that they have to do, and then they get something on there. So we do it together. The program remotely actually has video, so you, they can be looking at the video to see exactly how that exercise is done, and then they do those exercises together. There's also questions, so it's not just exercising. It, there's also a whole fall prevention um, section of questions that come up throughout the bingo game as well. So they're learning information. They're, there's education as well as the exercise, as well as just the fun of playing bingo. So th- it sounds like a great way to be able to have fun, be social, and also get that fall prevention information and exercising that's so important in staying um, staying upright instead of falling. I really like the interactive part when asking questions. I think that that will generate some discussion and and really fulfill some of the, you know, social needs that people have and in conversation. So I think I think it's a win-win-win. <laughs> we'll let you know. It, yeah. When did you uh, we actually have – we're going to be starting it on the 10th of November. So we will be connecting – people are signing up now. We are going to actually do a virtual visit, which each of the people who've signed up and you can have up to 20 people in a class. So we're going to virtual, this is not required by Bingo Size, but we are going to do a virtual visit and be able to make sure that they understand how they can hold the, how they can work their um, computer system to be able to, so that we can see them when they are exercising. We're also going to do some um, of our assessments that we like to do at the beginning and end of the program. So we're going to be doing some sit-to-stand and four-stage balance tests with them virtually. So we have a baseline in terms of who's in the class and where they're at. And we'll also do the – there's also some pre-tests pre-surveys that the program requests us do, and instead of them being sent by mail, they'll be able to fill those out on that virtual visit. So we will be taking um, a little extra time to do that, but we think that the gain of being able to meet the participants, understand their needs, and help them get started will make our program more successful going forward. I agree. And how how will they get... How will your participants get the bingo cards? Oh, great question. We are going to, before their class, we have to mail them a packet of things. They will get a bingo card. We are going to uh, laminate the card and have that sent to them. They use the same card um, repeatedly. I think we'll be sending them several cards. And then there's also some paperwork that I'm not quite sure exactly what's involved in it, but usually if they were going to a class, they would be getting materials there. So we will be sending them materials. So they're going to get a folder filled with their bingo card and some other great information that that we can have. And then as they start to win prizes, we will need to be sending prizes by mail, but they won't get the immediate gratification of getting that prize right when they win. They'll be getting their prizes. We'll be we'll be sending them out every few weeks. 
Okay. We, are you sending out like several copies of bingo cards or like a, a whiteboard bingo card? Yes. It, there's, I, um, I, 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 we're still in the process of working out all the details, but I believe they have several cards that they'll be getting. Okay. I love that. Who doesn't love bingo? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So um, I, I, I hope it's as successful as we hope, uh, as we think it's going to be, um, because there's just so much opportunity to be able to reach a whole new group of people um, through bingo. Have you run into in, into barriers with people uh, technologically challenged or? What, what would oh, that's another great question, Laura. I think we're only hitting some older adults, and because our classes numbers are limited, we're still going to be able to fill up our classes just like we do with our exercise class with people who do have computer, um, they're computer savvy enough, who own a computer, who know how to get onto Zoom, and then can go forward with that. So we have enough people to do it with, but I know that there's many, many people out there who don't have that computer or who may have a computer but don't know how to use the technology like like Zoom. So um, it, it, it's not going to be for everybody, and that's an unfortunate part. But for those who – but many of our community do have computers, do have the Internet access, um, and do have the ability to, to log on to Zoom. And for those, we're glad to be able to reach them. Right. Is it possible, like, to have it in a facility with people socially distanced and participate all at once with just one, you know, one? Um... So Bingo Sizes definitely made, was originally a group-based, center-based kind of program. And so the, and they have a whole great toolkit of, of, of stuff, even exercise equipment to use with when doing them in person. Um, the senior centers in our community are all closed. Our YMCA's right now, most of, many of them are closed. And because the older adult is really a high-risk group, um, it, it, you know, they're a harder group to be able to bring together. So we have not tried to be able to figure out other sites that might be open since the sites that we were currently working with have stayed closed. Um, we have said we've just are better off doing a remote program. But we will be all ready to go when we can get back in person. Uh-huh. And there are places across the country, some communities that are doing much more in-person kinds of programming. So the bingo size may be something that they'd be able to do as an in-person program. For us in our in our community, that's still not possible. Okay, that is that is really interesting. So right now, it's for the community-based older adult, but then you, you will be able to pivot again when you can get into the long-term facilities and senior centers and so on. Absolutely. And it does seem like a type of program that can cater to people who are more sedentary, maybe more fragile, people who may not have really done as well in some more active exercise programming because the the exercises are, are simple and basic and safe but effective. So um, you may be able to reach a group that hadn't been as, uh, as involved in other kinds of exercising. 
Well, it sounds wonderful, and I cannot wait to hear your experience about it, even though, I mean, I know it's evidence-based and, you know, people are having success, but it'll be interesting to hear about your program. And, Ellen, thank you so much for joining us today. And I always enjoy speaking with you, and you have so much going on, and, and I think Stanford Health is lucky to have you. Oh, well, thank so. you. Laura, can I talk? mention one other program before we go? Yes, please. And, and that is the other, another program that Stanford HealthCare offers is we call Farewell to Falls. And it's a home-based program where our occupational therapists will go into the home and look at strength and balance and home safety and, um, and other things that contribute to fall risk. And, of course, just like everything else during COVID, that program had to be suspended for a short term. But our infectious disease group did take a look at the program and protocols and helped us to to develop protocols that made it safe for us to go into the home. So our occupational therapists are back doing home visits. Not everybody wants is comfortable with that, so some people still decline right now. But many are welcoming us into their homes. And our occupational therapist goes in with a mask and eye guards and gloves, and we have other protocols in place to make sure that it's a very safe visit. We ask the older adult and any family member or anybody else who is in the home with them to wear a mask. And we feel that it is safe then for us to de- to deliver this really important program. So we're really glad that we didn't have to um, abandon everything right now during time of COVID. These group-based programs are great, but you had asked Laura about whether what about those who might not be able to to get on to a computer and. Ma- Farewell to Falls is that type of program where you don't have to get onto a computer uh, because our occupational therapists are right there in their home to help them. Well, that sounds wonderful. Just FYI, it is bicycle safety and... You're Sorry, I switched switched subjects really fast. Going back to the bicycle safety, it is bicycle safety. And the name of the brochure is getting from here to there safely. And I, I just think it's it's wonderful. So I hope other people use it. Well, I'm sure we'll be using it for programs here because it's it's universal as far as, you know, bike safety, hand signals, you know, how to how to um maneuver in traffic because it isn't clear to everyone. Absolutely. So there's a few laws that may be a little bit more localized, but most of these laws and most of these rules are universal and um, can be followed by people anywhere. Mm -hmm. And the roundabouts are now everywhere, too. So Mm -hmm. you're right. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Bye.